For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you on this Thanksgiving Day for being a listener here on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. You're listening to the best of Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Welcome back in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us. So as you listen to the music that is bringing us back here at the top of the hour, a lot of you have the same reaction that we have had over the years for decades Rush's theme song has reminded everyone out there, truth and clarity on the way. It's an iconic song forever that's going to be attached to Rush Limbaugh and everything that he represented. As we come up on the one-year anniversary of this show, these song rights are expiring, and we wanted to take this time, Buck, and we talked a lot about this behind the scenes as this song rights are expiring want to take the time to find a song for this show that could be as iconic and irreplaceable in the future and also that would feature a band that really loves and respects what our political beliefs are because as a lot of you out there know there are a lot of bands that do not respect what we believe in every day and so we spent a lot of time on this, Buck. And, and for us, this is really like retiring the jersey in sports because Rush's theme song is forever attached to his memory, everything he built, and we deeply honor that, his legacy. And that song is a part of his legacy, of course. So with all of that in mind, and given, as we said, that the song rights um, are expiring soon, we found this amazing band. Clay is actually friends with the uh, individuals in this band lit you may know the band lit the song we've landed on is called my own worst enemy it has tens of millions of youtube plays there are hundreds and hundreds of rock stations that were playing it when it first came out in 1999 which i will say is a great year a phenomenal year maybe the greatest year of all time and clay you the really great thing is it's it's rare to find a rock band that honestly doesn't have the politics of a bunch of, of evil commies, no matter how good their music may be, 
These guys are patriots. They love America. You know them. They listen to the show. Yeah, I listen. I, I know them personally, and so I'll give you a uh, I'll give you a story. They live here in Nashville. Uh, the li- the band is lit again. The song is "My Own Worst Enemy." If you are a fan at all of 1990s era music, this is one of the most iconic songs that came out of the 90s. Uh, I met these guys many times over the years here in Nashville, and actually, I was over at their house uh, once, and I walked in. And uh, and they had a college football game on as Utah was playing and we're number one in Salt Lake City. So shout out to the Utes. Um, and I just thought that was interesting. I watch every college football game, but uh, they were they had Utah on and, and I walked in and Jeremy Popoff, who is one of the members of the band, his son was a student manager for the Utah Utes football team. So I got to know the family really well. And in fact, their son was one of the interns for for OutKick. And I've gotten to know him so well. And we were making this decision, Buck. It was really important to me that we feature music from people who respect and love and have the same political beliefs as us. These guys moved to Tennessee from California because they were so uh, frustrated with the direction that California politics had gone. And they are going to be Longtime listeners of this show, they loved Rush. And when we had this conversation with them, Buck, I mean, you should have seen their faces and how excited they were to be able to bring their music to this audience and connect their brand and their spirit with the spirit and the brand of the greatest radio show audience that has ever existed in American history. So we spent a lot of time on this when they told us this song was expiring, uh, that the contract was running out, that they wanted to make sure that it was forever iconic and connected to Rush, that we could find our own version of this. And I'm confident that you guys are going to uh, to like it in the same way my city was gone, defined Rush. Again, I think your analogy is a good one, Buck, of retiring you know, sort of the jersey. We'll always be proud of our affiliation with Rush and that theme song. Uh, but we hope that this new song will also be a big part of our listening family. I think we're going to debut it on Monday. Yeah. It may take some time for people to get used to, uh, but we wanted to directly address this with you instead of just flipping a switch and suddenly you guys are like, what in we the world want, happened? We, we, we live every day on this show to serve this audience, the audience that Rush built. And everything we do keeps in mind that legacy and and all that he built over decades. So we make decisions here with that as a as a lodestar, as as a guiding point for us. And so with that in mind, we are retiring the jersey, so to speak, of a, a great song. A, a song, let's be honest, that Rush made great, actually. I think that that's fair to say. Um, it is really associated with Rush more than any than anything else uh, about that song. And now we're going to be introducing folks to Lit, and we think that they will, uh, we hope they'll enjoy it. We want to hear from you, by the way, as we say. We, we serve you. We serve this audience every day. That's why we're here. And it's an honor, honestly. It is a privilege. And I've said this before, and I think you can tell. Clay and I feel the same way. Uh, we really mean it. We're lucky to be able to do this show every day. It's a great blessing for all of us to be able to talk to all of you. So I uh, want to hear from some of you. If you, are, uh, if you know Lit, if you're excited about the prospect of a little bit of some 90s music being thrown into the mix here. You've already heard some 90s here and there. I mean, we're, you know, we want to keep it just from an audio uh, 
and music lover perspective, keep it keep it fresh and moving and introduce you to new things in general. And so if you have any thoughts on this one, uh, 800-282-2882, we would love to chat with you about it and uh, and hear what you think about it. And, and know that we know that it's a transition, and for some of you it might take a, a little bit of getting used to, but we're, we're excited about it, and it'll be, I think, something that we all look back on and say, this is kind of a... It's fun. It's a fun thing. It's a fun thing to get to have a relationship with this band this way and, and to have a, a sound that will be associated with us. In my neighborhood, Buck, I sent you this video. Uh, we had a 90s tribute band come out and play here in uh, here in Nashville. And um, the very first 1990s song that the tribute band played was My Own Worst Enemy. And so I took I mean, there's you know several thousand people at this event. It was great. Uh, out here in Franklin, and uh, and I took a video of it. And actually, in downtown Franklin, probably a couple months ago, uh, I was uh, at a charity event, and Lit came and played My Own Worst Enemy, and the entire place just went crazy. So I know everybody's got different musical interests and dis- different musical taste. and when you came of age, you may think, is the greatest music of all time, yeah. regardless of when you came of age. Yeah. So for Buck and I, the 90s are basically the, the, the best era of music that ever existed. And, you know, we did a little testing. I mean, I tried to convince them maybe my acapella rendition of the Macarena <laughs> would be a good way to go. And that would really fire people up. But apparently, you know, that wasn't really going to make it uh, quite I, as effective. I don't think I I've hope. told you this, Buck, but I am tone deaf. Like, I can't, this may not surprise people, because I don't necessarily do great uh, when it comes to pronunciations, but I was in chorus in high school, and I was so tone deaf in terms of being able to sing that the chorus teacher said, you mouth the words. I've never heard of a chorus teacher doing this before. He stood in front of the bases till he could find out who was messing up the pitch, and he said, you have a good speaking voice. <laughs> he said, you will announce from now on in course you had to take course you had to take an art to graduate mine was course he said from now on you will announce the songs that we sing but you will actually just mouth the words we don't need i have ever heard of anybody being told that who's a member of a choral group you announce you have a good voice good speaking voice you can announce what we're going to uh to sing uh but you can no longer sing this reminds me of when i was short for a short period of time trying to play ice hockey in the third grade and and they told and I told the uh, the counselor or the coach that uh, my helmet was too small for my huge head and it was get, and and he's like no it's not and then he put it on my head and he goes yeah no it is too small <laughs> so I couldn't I had to sit on the side because my big ass head wouldn't fit into that, <laughs> that helmet. Kill, you could have been the next Mark Messier and I, then boom, know, all of a sudden you, you're I, done. I that helmet issue was, was a monster but issue. I, I needed a different helmet and I never actually even got it and my ice hockey career didn't last for, I think it lasted about three weeks. So yeah, man, we've all, we've all got those memories, Clay. <laughs> I just have never heard of anybody being, you know, they, they always say like anybody can get better. Uh, I've never heard of a chorus teacher, Mr. Skandrick, God rest his soul, uh, at uh, Martin Luther King Magnet in Nashville. There's a lot of witnesses stopped right in front. You could just see his eyes. He was so disappointed, Buck, that the, the, the choral group and the basses, when he was standing in front of them, were not in unison singing well. But I did do a really good job announcing all those songs that year. So we all have our benefits. We all have our talents. But in all seriousness, I'm telling you, the lit guys are super excited. And uh, we will do an event. I don't know when it'll be. I was going to say. But at some point. We got to we got to get them to show up and do live live uh, stuff for us in, in Nashville. We're talking about you know what we could do. I need to get them on. I need to text them and see what their schedule looks like around the midterms because we're doing our event in Nashville to celebrate uh, what should be a red tide for the midterms. 
need to get the guys to show up and sing uh, My Own Worst Enemy for us at that event. That would be pretty badass. Uh, I need to see what their schedule is. See what I, I, I am feeling better and better because we, we like to give you, we got to tell you what's going on and what the challenges are in the country. And look, the Biden administration's in charge. There's a lot of stuff that's messed up right now. There's no question about it. But we are planning a midterm election party. Not not a call in, you know, oh, this state, that. We're going to let other people do that. They can sit there at the decision desk or whatever and they can make their calls. We're going to be rocking out, uh, and maybe really rocking out, because it is looking like it will at least be a restoration of sanity in the uh, in the November election. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it is looking pretty good right now. And so if we could have lit play there, I mean, honestly, I don't know if there is a band that can transport you to the late 90s faster with a song. I mean, they're right... You know, you're right up there. It's iconic in the way that, uh, like, Bittersweet Symphony and some of those oh, other a great song too. very we'll 90s play songs. We'll play it for you if it's not already queued up. I hope it is. We'll see if we can play it for you coming out of the next break as we come in for the next segment if you guys haven't yet heard uh, or are not exactly sure of what that song sounds like. It's the choral, right, that you will hear uh, as we start each of the hours uh, going forward, I believe, on Monday. So we just want to let you know where it was coming from, why it was happening, the background there. Uh, and uh, we continue to thank you guys for supporting the show as we continue to grow and uh, continue to fight the battles that Rush would be fighting himself if he were still with us today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to Clay and Buck. Uh, we loved the movie Top Gun Maverick, as you all know. And we said, you know, we should get somebody who actually knows something, knows a whole heck of a lot about flying. Joining us now is Joe Flatley. He was a real-life Top Gun fighter pilot instructor. He's a third-generation Naval aviator, retired Navy F A 18 strike 
and fighter pilot and F-5 adversary pilot. Joe, thanks for calling in to Clay and Buck. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for so having me. So you, you actually were the guy, or among the guys, I should say, training folks in Top Gun. What was some of the best stuff that you saw in the movie? I mean, in terms of the flying, the way they depicted the program, we just want to know, what did you think? Yeah, well, it was a good movie. It was a great uh, great sequel to the first one, which came out when uh, when I was just going through advanced jet training. So just about to finish up uh, um, pilot training and, and getting ready to go off to fly F-18. So, yeah, it was uh, yeah, the first movie was great, and this was a great sequel. And, and the flying scenes in this I thought were much better. Um, yes, yeah, so it was kind of hard to tell, actually, how much CGI was going on. There are um, <clears throat> obviously some of the flying scenes – well, not obviously, probably to the layperson, but uh, you know, airplanes—the uh, proximity they had in the in the movie, the airplanes to each other as they were fighting—probably not that realistic. But uh, but for cinemagraphic reasons, you know, that's that's the way you have to present it. But still, very very well done, I thought. And again, Joe, hard to tell what the CGI was in there, except maybe in a couple instances. So, if there was some, and I'm sure there was. So. Joe, when 1986, when the original Top Gun came on, on, I believe the overall naval recruiting for went up like 500% for people who have forgotten what an unbelievable hit that movie was back in 1986. As a guy who was training as a Top Gun pilot back in 1986, what was it like for that movie to come out? And did everybody think you were lying when you were out at the bars and you would say, hey, you know, I'm actually a Top Gun fighter pilot? Uh, because I imagine that became a pretty popular line for guys to be dropping all over the place. Yeah, I think, you know, we gave us all something to be full of ourselves about. Uh, not that we weren't already, but um, but yeah, it was uh, the timing was good for a guy like me. And then, and, and like you said, recruiting, boom. And, um, and that lasted a while. And it's funny after the, I got to go to the premiere out in San Diego, and it was it was all Navy. Um, some civilians were out there, but um, uh, basically they ran the premiere for the Navy people that put it on. And, and one of the discussions afterwards was was that this was probably going to be another boost for for naval aviation, with the comment being that that you know this war that we're we're now pretty much out of um, the beginning or all through actually fairly good recruiting for special ops whether, you know, whichever service it was, um, and that I don't know that naval aviation has suffered, um, but but I think they're ripe for another recruiting boom now with this movie. Joe, no what can you tell us about the, the selection process into Top Gun? I mean, since you were a Top Gun instructor, obviously you had a number of people coming through in those classes. How does one, I mean, for some of the, so we probably have some people listening right now, by the way. We have a huge military audience, both active and, and former uh, military, current and former military uh, so we might have somebody who's, you know, 15, 16 listening, goes, you know, I, I want to go into a Top Gun program. How does that work? Well, uh, just to clarify, I was a Top Gun trained adversary pilot. Um, they run they run a course, and I, I, I don't know what the latest is on timing-wise, but back in my day, it was a 10-week course. And then I went through the first five weeks as an adversary pilot. Then I was qualified to go out and teach as an adversary on the adversary, so adversary being we're the bad guys. We'd go out and simulate um, enemy forces, whether Russian or, or whatever tactics, and um, and we were right next. Kind of like Merlin in the original movie, right? Isn't that there? There you go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah that's, that was exactly it. Flying the F five, which uh, which was what uh, which the bad guys were flying in the first movie. So, uh, which is still 
being flown as an adversary today. But um, so that's what I did. But yeah, to get there, you know, obviously, uh, it's the cream of the crop. The Top Gun instructors themselves are next level. You know, probably a terrible comparison, but uh, it would be like, uh, you know, a doctor specialist uh, versus a physician's assistant in the family practice. You know, terrible comparison, but the Top Gun instructor versus an instructor like myself. Um, but to get there, you know, it's selection. Uh, you've got to do well. you got to be um, uh, basically recommended for that job, and then you got to get through it. And that's a pretty arduous arduous program those guys go through just to teach the classes that they teach from the top gun program joe flatley everybody mr mr flatley thank you very much sir for calling into clay and buck we appreciate it hey thanks for having me i'm happy to be here thanks so much third generation fighter pilot that's pretty badass buck it's as badass as it gets. Yeah, uh, I mean so. that's crazy to think about, right? Your grandfather fought against uh, the Japanese in yeah. the Pacific, and then all the way up through the the, the movies today and everything else. I mean, that's my incredible. grandfather was in the Navy, but he was on the USS Bataan, so he was at Leyte Gulf. Didn't talk about it very much until later on. Then he would talk about it occasionally. It- Second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show starts now. Thanks everybody for joining or for hanging with us if you're with us in the first hour remember the clay and buck podcast a great place to catch up if you missed any part of what we're talking about here clay also for transcripts and all the rest uh but if you go to the clay travis and buck sexton show on the iheart app a great thing to do a, a bit of general advice and it is whenever you see that there is a show with a 90 plus percent audience score and sub 50 on the critics, it's a show you want to see. Because it means that everyone <laughs> loves it, but the critics hate it for some reason that has nothing to do with whether or not it's entertaining. And an example of this would be, Clay, have you seen The Terminal List yet? I've heard it's great. No, I have not. Have you watched it? I have watched every episode of The Terminal List. Um, Jack Carr is is a friend. I've known Jack for a few years so now. So explain, explain this show, because I bet... There's a lot of our audience that would like it. Explain this show for people like me who know it exists but have no concept of what it's about. So it's a the main character is played by Chris Pratt. He's a Navy SEAL named James Reese who comes home after some special operations abroad. They're ambushed. I don't want to give much away, but there's a sinister plot that goes to the heart of the military industrial complex. And basically, Chris Pratt is running around. Uh, Taking out bad guys, lots of uh, the, the, the tactical sequences are very well done. They bring in SEALs and people with, with similar uh, expertise so that the, the, the actual gun battles and everything look really cool. I mean, they do a good job with that as, as entertainment. But they, they hate it because there's, there's no wokeness, okay? There's no, yep. there's no social so it's like it's In that way, it's like Top Gun Maverick, which has been in theaters for some odd 70-some-odd days and is now the most successful Paramount movie of all time. It passed Titanic. Yeah. That's how successful it is. But, I mean, even that movie, Clay, just to be fair, who's the bad guy? It's like a make-believe country in Eastern Europe or something. I mean, you know, they were, look, they're going for the global market. I get it. And apparently we don't make movies anymore. We're fighting other countries. It wasn't woke. But even in the original Top Gun, That's we true. didn't know who the bad guy was. It was, I mean, everyone Everybody assumed it was the, the Soviet Russians. Union, right, with the Red Star yes. on the helmets. But 
Um, yeah, I'm just saying it's, it wasn't woke, but it wasn't like um, it wasn't Team America World Police either. You know what I mean? It wasn't uh, it wasn't going too hard with the stars and stripes uh, and, the, and the flag. But OK. But so so Rotten Tomatoes, 94 percent audience score for this. Um, it's a good show because one thing that uh, uh, Carrie and I have been struggling with is we're trying to find a show to watch that we can both enjoy together. And it's you, you, you watch stuff and you go, am I is everything just green lit? by the editorial team at MSNBC now. I mean, it's all so, it's such trash. It's so, and 10 years ago, I feel like Netflix and HBO, there was this golden age where they were just making amazing programs. They're just making great series, uh, you know, whether Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and, and Narcos, and, you know, they're making all these great shows. Now, of course, the corporations that are behind all this are, oh, we want to be progressive and social justice, and their shows suck, which is not surprising. But I will say, in fairness, we did find one show that I, or one movie, I should say, that I would recommend to everybody. Uh, I made Carrie watch this movie, The Outfit, a couple weeks ago. That wasn't really worth, that was okay. It was like a B minus. Um, wasn't woke, but just wasn't really that good. It was okay. But we watched this 13 Lives. Have you seen this? Are you familiar with this one? It's about the Thai ch- youth boys oh, oh yeah yeah i was fascinated team. by that story for everybody out there this was the the soccer team that got caught in the cave and it flooded and they weren't able to get out I, how is the movie ron howard made this one right the movie is excellent yeah highly highly watchable really moves along and the way they film this that they originally as i, I read a little bit about it because i was curious they were actually trying to film a lot of it in the caves but they weren't able to do that for for reasons i, I don't even know now uh, so they moved it, I think, to uh, Queensland in uh, North Australia because um, the, obviously the actual cave is in Thailand. But it, it's amazing. I'll say this. There are few things in the world that I would find more terrifying than having to spend six hours underwater, five and a half, six hours underwater in a cave with fast moving currents where at some points the cave is about shoulder width. So you've got I, I couldn't even darkness, claustrophobia, the imminent prospect of death when you if you run out of oxygen or if you just, you know, hit your head. And I mean, there's any number. It is really well done. I've, to, I've been trying to tell folks about it. I remember that story. The story is even more in many ways unbelievable and, and in the and in the end inspiring than I remembered it from the news reports. It's crazy what they did to get them. I mean not crazy isn't like I mean they should have done any but I mean what they managed to pull off with those kids to get them I don't want to give it all away is a, well is I think everybody knows the kids yeah all it's got a true story that's right because it's a true know. story but but yeah that story was captivating to follow and such an ennobling story because every day you thought oh they're going to find the kids and they're not going to be alive that was sort of the subtext of this is a flooded cave there's no way these kids are going to have survived for this long. And when they finally found them, then it's, oh my goodness, how in the world are we ever going to get them out of here? And they managed to do it. Speaking of the terminal list, I was, there's an article up at OutKick, one of our good writers that we hired recently, David Hookstead. If you haven't already, we had an incredible month. But OutKick is kind of like mana from heaven if you're a sports fan or just a fan of pop culture and you think everything has gone woke. Uh, they've got, we've got a good article about it that went up today about the terminal list. 1.6 billion minutes of viewership on Netflix. Only show was the most recent 
show, Stranger Things Season 4, is the only show that's beaten it in terms of popularity. So I'll just point this out. Culture is important in terms of what it's saying about what society is interested in right now. Yellowstone is by far the most popular show on television, other than sports. Uh, Doesn't get nominated for any Emmys. Wildly popular. Terminal List, evidently on Netflix, insanely popular. Top Gun Maverick. What do all three of those movies and or shows have in common? Relatively limited woke material and or USA, 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 right? That is what they are overall selling is United States excellence. And I think there's a huge demand for that. You can tell very quickly in a lot of these shows. I mean, to, to this point, Clay, I could even take a I think there's a step. Even before that, what you're talking about is the manifestation of or, or the way that the show actually tells the story, right, is that it focuses on those things. I think it really also comes down to when they're sitting in the writer's room is the most important thing that they want to entertain, entertain and engage the audience or is it that they want to get a pat on the back for the agenda and the messaging behind this? Because I think you see a lot of shows where they start with a premise, which is, Oh, let's make this about, you know, let's make this about some left wing woke agenda item instead of is this going to be a good story? Is this going to really yeah. bring people in? And, you know, you, you brought up what was the huge show that everyone's, oh, my gosh, why is it such a success? Similar numbers, I think, to Yellowstone from years ago was The Walking Dead. Right. It yep. was, and, and The Walking Dead's a show where you take a graphic novel and you're just trying to make the most engaging entertainment uh, possible. There, there's some broader lessons about parenting and, you know, survival and other things in there, right? But overall, you're not getting a political lecture with, a, you know, with The Walking Dead. You're just watching something that's meant to entertain you. Whenever they do that, there's success. When they're giving you a lecture about uh, woke politics, people increasingly are saying, I just don't want to watch this. Yep. And I'll give you, a, I, I, I know we got people who listen in Hollywood. We got a big audience in L.A., I'll continue to give this out. If you want to look like a genius and you want to have the number one streaming show or the number one television show, the number one show in America, Turn on Daunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose, a phenomenal book about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Turn it into a miniseries, into a... I, I believe it would be a television event the likes of which we have not seen in 20 years, right? In terms of a historical connection to America, pro-America. Now, you can say Game of Thrones was a television event. I love that show. Yeah, it's a fantastical show about, you know, uh, about dragons and medieval times, effectively. I'm talking about something that is rooted in American history, that is unabashedly patriotic, that tells a triumphal story of an overwhelming... Uh, difficult in success. I'm sorry, Clay, to get this made, though, Meriwether Lewis is going to have to be a gender-fluid pansexual, (laughs) and William William Clark is going to have to go around begging forgiveness from the native peoples for the future disrespect and and uh, and betrayal of of the of the colonists. I mean, otherwise, we can't make that show. Politics is downstream of culture, which is a great quote from Andrew Breitbart, and I do think it's true. If you're out there and you're looking at what the political message is coming through the cultural success stories out there, whether it's Terminal List, whether it's Yellowstone, whether it is um, certainly as you break it down, uh, how much demand there has been 
for Top Gun Maverick, the most successful movie of all time from Tom Cruise's uh, history, it's because people want pro-America, anti-woke programming, and there isn't enough of it. Did, did you see? I know you're on vacation and you're having a great time with, with the fam, which was very important. You've come back rested in the fight, but did you happen to catch? Because I, I see you sneaking onto Twitter a little bit when you're on vacation. I always want. Oh, to be I still like, have to manage Outkick. Yeah, I didn't do TV. I didn't do radio, but I'm still managing so, our stories at Outkick. So you probably saw that they had a ninety million dollar write off with a completed film Batgirl, of the Batgirl. Batgirl. <laughs> I mean, how now? The thing is, I want to see that movie. I do so too. badly because they wrote down when they took over they 300 million dollars cnn plus they said this is an unmitigated disaster it's done and now 90 million dollars batgirl and you know how popular superhero movies are you could basically get a hundred million dollars i would think just by advertising a lot to get people to come watch if it you're must a screenwriter be or a producer making a superhero movie and you lose basically $100 million on it, you really should learn to code. Like, you should find another profession. You should be done. What would be the equivalent to... It's a great point. You're making a superhero movie. The studios are all behind it. You almost cannot fail because there's such demand for superhero movies. And they watched your superhero movie, and they said it was so bad, we're just going to take... A $90 million write-off. They didn't even put it on the streaming service. It's one thing if they say, hey, this is not worthy of going to uh, the, the movie theaters. They said it's so bad that they don't even want their brand associated with it. In other fields, I'm not even sure I can think of an equivalent. I, mean, I, could, just, I could just see this, though, like, like a Batgirl movie where Batgirl swoops in on the bank robbers. And they're like, hey, look at this, look at this broad wearing a, wearing a costume. She's like, excuse me, sir broad <laughs> are you assuming my pronouns like you could actually do a great send-up of this thing i mean you could do a great uh there's a little bit of send-up of, of of the overall woke culture that goes on in deadpool which has been very popular as as a movie but buck think about all the people that are cast in this movie they're saying hey this is going to be career altering for you you can't go wrong you get into a superhero movie you're the next robert downey jr i can completely do the pitch that they would have been getting in their hollywood ta- uh, talent agencies and then they get a call and they say, yeah, this movie is so bad that even though we spent $90 million, we're basically just going to burn it. I guarantee we, we could write a better screenplay than whenever that was between the two of us in 48 hours. Honestly, that, that's why I, I want to see this. I feel confident I, I, about very that. I would like to see it too. One. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play Travis Buck Sexton Show. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Buck Sexton is now an engaged man. Congratulations, Buck. I believe based on the photo that I saw, you did it from, is that your apartment building in New York City? The view that I have seen. Amazing view up there. What was it like to actually, you've never proposed before. Nope. You are a 40-year-old man who has never been engaged, never married. What was the experience like and how quickly has the wedding apparatus shifted into full speed? Because I'll tell you, when I got engaged many years ago, the thing that most stunned me about it was how much knowledge women all carry in their head about weddings that I had never given a thought to, how quickly that process was underway soon after I got engaged. I'll give you a couple of things, and then I promise we'll talk about the news for everybody. No, people, like, um, people, people want to hear about nah. this. Don't, yes, they do. So uh, the one thing I will say is pretty, pretty funny, but she had absolutely no idea. So I had met with her dad because I went You'd down. already asked for the hand. I went down to Asheville where her family has a home. Yes. And obviously Asheville was a memorable experience for many reasons. And I asked for her hand uh, from her father. I kept How did that you one. do that, by the way? How did you end up uh, ISO'd? Uh, where you I asked ask him that? to take me to see a piece of property that they were thinking about uh, oh, building Oh, smart. Yeah. So we kind of went CIA for like a walk in the woods. Yes. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I asked for the hand and then... Uh, the the plan was to just find a perfect sunset on the rooftop when nobody nobody would be up there. Yep. And uh, and I and I went up there. She had no idea, so I it's went Friday, down. Was it Saturday night? Is this Saturday afternoon? Saturday night. Saturday night. Yep. It was yep. really nice. I actually saw two listeners who were visiting New York City from Chicago on our way to the restaurant. They're like, "Hey, Buck." And I was like, "I just got engaged." They're like, "We listen all the time." So that was great. We had some visitors from Chicago. I saw the picture uh, go out on social media too. You texted Allie, who also, by the way, we should mention engaged like last week too i know so. love is in the air on the clay and buck show yeah there's producer ali is engaged a couple of weeks ago i'm engaged now so as for the wedding stuff i will tell you man the our, our basic uh approach to this and and then we have to start trashing joe biden our basic approach to this is we're going to try to throw a big fun uh engagement yep. party That's in awesome. new york city for everybody you'll be invited the team you know we'll just we just want to throw a big party in new york and then we're going to have a immediate family and, you know, best man, best, uh, what do you, not best woman, what do you call it? Bri- maid, maid of honor. honor or whatever. Yeah. But like just very small um, at, a, at a church and keep it Sooner really rather than later? Like what's the time frame? Like uh, trying to get it done in the next six months, which is in fast. In the next six months. I mean, fast. because this is my understanding, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening know this. This is the busiest 
year for weddings on record, I believe. I, I actually was down when I was at Rosemary Beach one of the times, Buck. I was working out in the gym, and the guy next to me was a big fan, and he owned wedding venues all over the country, uh, West Coast primarily. And he was talking, so I you know, was working out there in the, in the gym. I was beside him for 15 or 20 minutes on the machine. And, uh, and he was talking about how busy all of it is. Every day of the week, basically, people are getting married now because so many people couldn't in 2020, 2021 because of COVID. And 2022 is supposedly the biggest wedding year ever. So this is, this is stressing me out a little bit now. So I, yeah. We, <laughs> you know, I'll have to figure all this stuff out. But yeah, we're going to get married. So there we go. Fantastic. All right, so let's go. Well, congratulations. Uh, the pictures are up on social media. They should be up on clayandbuck.com if they're not already. If you want to go see Buck proposing to uh, the lovely Carrie. And, Carrie's uh, a producer at Fox News, for anyone who's wondering. So that's how Carrie and I, that's, that's, that's the connection. That's how we know each other, and that's how it all got going. That's awesome. Well, and her dad is a uh, third-generation fighter pilot, so uh, you thought you were kind of a badass because you're a CIA analyst formerly. And it's good to be humble. father-in-law is way bigger of a you badass. Know? Let's yeah. just be honest. Good to be humbled. So. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.